Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right. Do you have something to say? <laughs> well, I always have something to say. Perhaps I will, I will vouch for that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Perhaps I think the question should be, what am I saying and how am I best communicating? Well, we have some really funny stories about miscommunicating and hearing what is not being said. But I don't. And that make... comes pretty naturally for us. So yes, kind of that... <laughs> we'll have to make sure we share a few of those stories today if we get a chance. Okay, but before we get too far into our show, we just want to remind everyone again that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, we're excited to introduce our first guest today. Um, Wendy Wolf is the author of The Letter Writing Project. And I got to say, just looking at her book, it is it is very unique and it's, it's very, it's, it's such a tangible, gives you the tools and just what she's talking about, she makes it very simple and easy mm. through this book. And so I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about this project. Well, the letter writing project began as a tribute to Wendy's sister on the day that the world was remembering her and has morphed into an activity to say the things that you need to say before it is too late. Author and advocate Wendy Wolf educates others through her own profound story of loss in the letter writing project. And the letter writing project isn't just a book. And it's an emotionally liberating experience that could change your life. Well, first of all, Wendy, welcome to our show today. We're just so excited to have you with us. Well, thank you. And I am super excited to be here talking with you. Thanks for having me. Well, you had such a um, really a tragic and a profound story and, and personal experience. And, and we talk a lot about how so many times it's those, those moments of pain mm. in our lives that really propel us forward and, and kind of give us that, that urgency to life and, and to creating something that can really be a solution or that can benefit others through our pain that God uses that a lot of times. And well, sometimes it defines you and yet... It might not be the definition that you want. So like you said, when you can really go, okay, God, I, I don't want this to be my identity, but I also want to be able to move forward in the way that God wants you to move forward. To use that pain. Can you just uh, briefly, just for our listeners, just it kind of explain that experience in life that really kind of marked you and kind of changed um, changed your life, their trajectory, and create, helped you create the letter writing project? Sure, I absolutely can. Um, so I wanted to share that I had been always thinking that I was going to write a book, and actually I have 100 pages of a fiction story based on my life, my growing up, and the only person who's ever laid eyes on it is my sister. But anyway, just hold that piece of information. But anyway, on um, April 2nd, 2011, I was basically out in the evening. Actually, I was playing bingo with a friend of mine. I'd never done it before. 
And anyone who knows me knows that after 7 o'clock, I'm pretty useless on the telephone, so I don't really talk on the phone in the evening. And um, my phone kept ringing. So I answered it, and it was my mother. And she was screaming into the phone, screaming, uh, Donna's dead, and Donna is my older sister. And I had never in a million years ever expected to hear those words. Mm. And I would say, I said to, I remember saying to my mother on, on the phone, okay, mom, it'll be okay. Hold on. And I was like, wait a second, what are you talking about? It will never be okay. Anyway, um, after the massive hysteria sort of settled and my mother and I got from Florida at the time where we were living to my sister's home in Albany, we found out the details that a driver had fallen asleep at the wheel and plowed his car right into her mm. and hurting my nephew severely, but he's fine and wonderful and all is well. But my brother-in-law had asked me to speak at my sister's menor- memorial, and she had been very beloved in her church. There were about 500 people. I mean, I didn't count them, but the place was jam-packed at her memorial, and she was very beloved. Anyway, he asked me to speak, and I was like, how, how will I do it? I don't know what I can I, I How do you even begin to do that, to represent a lifetime of your love for your sister and Anyway, I started to write her a letter, and what I had remembered as I was writing her was that we always wrote letters. Actually, my grandfather and my mother were huge letter writers, and so about six or it was about six months after that, um, my husband and I were talking. He was sitting in our bedroom, probably playing on his phone, and I said, I just have this book inside me, and I, I knew about my other 100 pages, but <clears throat> that wasn't what it was. And without even really skipping a beat, he said, you need to use the letter you wrote to your sister. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? You know, what, what do you mean? How do you take a letter that you wrote at your very worst moment in life and use it? So we took the kids out. At the time, they were, I don't know, maybe they were like five and seven. I can't, no, they were older than that. They were much older, actually. I'm bad with numbers. Anyway, they, um, we took them out for a drive, and we used to, like, blast the music and let each person play DJ. And by the end of the trip, I knew what it meant, that I was to write a book called Letters to Loved Ones. And, of course, that's not the title of my book anymore, because along the path, and, and you talk, spoke about God. I mean, I believe that this whole process was so divinely guided, and I think that I'm straying off the topic a little bit, but once we get very clear on what our contribution is to the world, Mm. doors just start flying open. And I met, well, a friend of mine said, hey, I think you might want to meet Kent from Blooming Twig Books. He might be interested in working with you. And sure enough, Kent was, and he basically said, your book is a C, but I'm going to make it into an A, which is like not the greatest sentence in the world, but (laughs) the truth. (laughs) <laughs> and, and here's the real magical piece of it. So while this came from the worst experience of my adult, of my entire life, um, doors kept opening and people, good things started happening. And the truth was, well, this is all true, but I, the day I spoke to Kent after he had read the book, that morning I had been in Whole Foods, and it's a very small Whole Foods where I live. 
and there was a woman who was experiencing some real difficulty with her. She had a newborn, but with her, like, three-year-old son. And my son used to be very difficult, and I had always wished that somebody would just distract him, you know, just, like, say hi to him, anything, while he's tantruming in the store because he wants, you know, this and not that. And so I whispered to her, I can distract him if you'd like. And she said, no, thank you. And I was mortified. So I went home. You know, I was like, oh, I was going to help. I was mortified. And I went home and I had my call with Kent. And he said, you know, Wendy, you've spent 20 years doing community organizing work and working with nonprofits and doing all of this social advocacy stuff. Where's that fire in this book? You know, sure, everybody needs to say something to the people they love before it's too late, but where's the letter, the letter to, like, the lady in the grocery store? Mm. I swear. And I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, were you there? I mean, I, it was crazy. And so what, what had happened at that moment, that was such a message. Mm-hmm. Because I have spent 20 years of work working in the nonprofit world doing grassroots advocacy, teaching teenagers how to strengthen their lives, helping homeless kids to get home, working in HIV. And so what I did in the letter writing project was use letter writing to understand the things that are truly important to me in making the world a better place and contributing to the greater good. Because there is no, we are not here for any other reason than to contribute to making the world a better place. So, and that's my feeling, and actually it's my certainty, but so that's what I'm proposing, is that we use letter writing as a tool to make the world a better place, to express our love for the people that we held it for, and to share the things that we believe and see should be fixed. Mm. How's that? That that was... Long answer. Yes, and no, you know, just the way you unpack that, those are great tips because... So many times um, people, Lisa and I are always saying, we need to journal, we need to journal, we need to journal. But um, when you have a purpose and you're specifically, I know for, for me, I'm doing exactly what you're saying. I write letters um, to my children and mm-hmm. that way you're able to kind of, um, without being preachy, put it in a storytelling way that you can communicate because I keep thinking when, when I lost my mom, I was searching for her, her letters just to even see the way that she wrote, to look at her writing, to see what she was thinking. I, I would go through her Bible just to look for her notes and the margins to go, oh, I wonder what she was going through at this time when she wrote oh, that. So and beautiful. I, I I hear what you're saying. I think that is such a great legacy to be able to put your thoughts down um, through writing letters. Well, we well, just can have... I also share one thing about that? Yes. I know you had a second question, but my um my sister was a beautiful letter writer and the probably the best mother I'd ever met in my life. I mean, we had things that we didn't agree on clearly. But her mothering skills were phenomenal. And my husband, on the year of her passing, gave me a two-inch bound notebook of every email he had ever saved between the two of us and presented to me. And he said, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I need you to have this. And I spent the entire afternoon hearing, after a year of not even thinking about how I would hear her voice again, hearing her speak to me. 
and there were recipes and funny stories and oh, it was such a gift. And I read it all the time. So the letter writing piece is so immortal. In addition, it gives us my sister's letters are in the book because I learned a lot of amazing. I should have put on the cover from Wendy Ginsburg Wolf. Well, that's my maiden name, Wendy Wolf and Donna Murphy should mm-hmm. be who titled the book because there are pieces of her in it that only lessons that she created. Well, Wendy, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and okay. continue talking about the personal and profound touch of letter writing. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, back in April 2nd, 2011, was the day author Wendy Wolf's heart officially broke in two. This is a day she will forever hear that screaming, the screaming words coming from the other end of the phone that her sister Donna was dead. And what happened, a man fell asleep as he was coming off the highway towards a red light, but he didn't stop. Instead, his sleeping foot was planted firmly on the gas pedal while Donna's car was stopped at the red light in front of his. Donna sat in her car with her youngest son, waiting patiently for the light to turn green, not knowing the man was coming. Well, the letter-writing project began as a tribute to Wendy's sister on the day that the world was remembering her and has morphed into an activity to say the things that you need to say before it is too late. Author and advocate Wendy Wolf educates others through her own profound story of loss in the Letter Writing Project. The Letter Writing Project isn't just a book. It's an emotionally liberating experience that could change your life. And Wendy, we just love what you are talking about in, in writing 
seeing not like you said, not only um, your letters, but also gathering the letters that that Donna wrote. So thank you for sharing how the book came about. Um, What else, like if you can give our listeners a tip who are in that mode where they want to, um, you know, start writing or maybe they have a book, like you said, it's just you're jumping out of your skin. What are the first few steps that they can do to create a more positive life through letter writing or through uh, journaling or even just writing a book? Well, the first thing is do not talk yourself out of doing something that is in your heart. And we do that so much. I still do it. We do that so much. But how do we know what is going to happen for us? We don't know unless we put one foot in front of the other or pencil on the paper and just start doing it. So my recommendation is if anybody has the desire to write a book or anything or blog or magazine article or anything, just do it. Put it on paper. Then you can say the negatives afterwards if you must. But Really do it with a clear heart. The second piece is that there, you know, journaling is wonderful. I'm a big journaler also, but letter writing is such a phenomenal experience because it's a collection of gift gifts, gifts that are given and received. Mm. When you write a letter, you have such an intimate experience with an individual who is not present with you or with a situation or whatever you're writing this letter to. And, and so that is so pure. And then you put your heart on the paper and you put the paper in the envelope and you send it in the mail. And then a person goes to the mailbox unsuspecting Mm. and opens the mail and says, huh, this is neat, a letter from Wendy. And then they open it up and they go, oh, my gosh. And it's a second gift. And this happened to me two weeks ago. I have gotten thousands of people who have given me amazing reviews and talked to me about how their life has changed because of the letter writing project and the book, incredible situations. So I stumbled across a review of my book on a website that was not bad, was just wasn't stellar, wasn't Mm -hmm. for that person. And it really bummed me out. And I'm talking one in thousands, right? Really. Of course, I held on to that one, and I was very Mm -hmm. upset about it. And then the mail came. And I opened the letter, and there's a, no, I'm sorry, it was not the mail. My son said, hey, his friend, so-and-so, I'm not going to say her name, uh, wanted to give you this. And I said, okay, and I opened it up, and there's a two-page letter from this lovely 15-year-old young girl who read my book. I know her well. And talking about how much support and love that gave her and courage and who she's already been writing letters to and how free she feels. And I, so, so that was the first gift that she read the book and is having that experience in her life with other people. But what she did for me in that moment of such sadness about this one so-so review was unbelievable. And I, then I wrote her back, and I said, dear so-and-so, you will never believe what just happened. Here's the story. I even took a picture of my letter so I can keep it for forever, but I said, here's what happened. What a chain of events. I was bummed. You had an experience. You gave me a letter, and I got to get, when she got that letter back, I'm sure a 15-year-old girl, her mind was blown mm-hmm. by an adult telling her, that she had just changed their life and made them feel so much better. Mm -hmm. So there's so many possible wins in it. 
And there's, and we just don't do it anymore. And the age-old question I get, though, I will tell you, every interview I do, somebody says, what do you feel about email or text? And I say, I prefer handwritten letters. However, I also know that my son, he has a few things going on in his brain, so it's easier for him to communicate via typing. Makes it He, he communicates beautifully when he can type versus handwriting. So I feel like whatever you're doing to connect truly with the individual that you're sending the letter to, it's okay whatever medium you use. But I like when they're delivered through the mail because we all win that way. We get the better post office system. They're happy. You <laughs> see pretty stamps. You know, all good things. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and oh, sorry. the thing that about when you write a letter to, it's like, it's a gift of time because like you said, you've had, yeah. to, you know, you have to have the address, which nowadays it's hard, you know, oh, yeah. like we have email addresses. We don't have the personal address and you have to, you know, make sure you have a stamp and go to the post office or go somewhere. And so it is a gift of time as well, you know, as well to, to, to send a letter. And I like, I love what you said, but I, that a letter is an unexpected gift. And that is so true. We don't even think about that part of it. Well, and to put your thoughts down in such a way, I know um, my daughter, uh, several years ago, she was in high school. She uh, put a notebook, a journal on my pillow and had wrote a letter in this journal and said, will you write a letter back? And I, I was so touched mm. that she would take the time and she wanted this to be a continuous, um, you know, journal where we would go back and forth. And I, I would highly encourage just our listeners, if there's, you know, someone that you can do that for, it's such a gift. So now for years, um, we have this journal that just, it'll just show up on, on my pillow and then I, I in hers and now she's away at college. So, um, it's been longer periods of time, but then we put more letters inside and then we, you know, when it's finally ours, we stuff them in that journal. But the one thing I've noticed as you read through the journal, when we first started, it was generic. You know, you're just like, how was your day? My day is fine. I love you. I miss you, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden you start like building those stories and I start thinking about, Hey, I'm going to tell her this funny story or I'm going to, you know, and now all of a sudden you're really putting her in a part of your life with writing the, those letters and you get to reminisce on, um, some of the stories. And that is a journal. You're creating a journal. Yeah. In a different in your day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is so amazing. That is really cool. I'm going to use that. I'm going to talk, use that with my own kids. I'm going to tell friends. I love that. You know, when you're old, when we're older, when we age and our kids are busy and they have their own kids and their own lives, boy, that journal is going to give you so much happiness, you know? Yeah. Just remembering. Oh, amazing. Well, it, and I love it. it, it you get to frame stories that you truly think, oh, I'll never forget that. As a matter of fact, when we started the show, we were laughing at um, the miscommunication that Lisa and I have had at times. And one time we were putting on this major event and we went to go look at this facility and the, the gal who was showing us, you know, how we could use the different rooms. She, she made a comment about, um, well, it could be difficult to be something about an affair and, and, and the parking lot. 
And all I heard was someone was having an affair in the parking lot (laughs) because I had never, I mean, I just, the word affair hadn't been in my vocabulary for quite some time. So by the time we get in the car, I'm asking uh, Lisa, I'm like, okay, wait, did I miss something? What was she talking about? Who was having an affair in the parking lot? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I couldn't figure out what she was talking about. She kept going on, and I finally went, oh, no, no, no. She meant like an event, like a gala, not an affair, but an event <laughs> in the parking lot. So it's just like even yeah. those words, yeah. where we just got the giggles going, okay, you hear the same word but, in two but different I ways. put it down. When she put it down in writing, you, you'll – you can capture that yeah. moment. Otherwise, we probably would. I mean, that was like 15 years ago. You wouldn't even remember about the affair in the party. <laughs> right, right. That's funny. Well, Wendy, we just have less than three minutes. And again, thank you for, for just for sharing your, your insights and how significant the letter writing project has been in your own life. And just an encouragement to so many of us um, to really take the time to mm-hmm. put those things down. Because like Patty said, I, I notes that we both have had from our moms who have since um, passed away. Just those, you know, we, we just hold on to the so personal touch and yep. there's their handwriting. It's like a, a part of them is with you. Um, in the, a couple minutes we have left. How can our how can our listeners find your book and get more information? And is there just one other little tip you would like to leave with us as we as we exit? Okay, great. Well, people can find me at wendywolf.com, and that's W O L F F. They can buy my book on Amazon, or they can connect with me directly and get personalized copies if they'd like for friends. Um, and they can follow me on Facebook uh, at the letter writing project because I do a lot of uh, for Valentine's day. We had free Kindle downloads all weekend. So I do a lot of that. And just to let people know my sister's birthday is on March 12th. So this book will be free on Kindle all day. Nobody knows hot off the presses, but, um, and then they can follow me on Twitter at letters project and just please communicate, drop me an email. That would be great. What I want to leave everybody with is the most important message I think in the book, which is this is your life. You are here to do something miraculous and do it. Don't talk yourself out of it before the miracle occurs. So I believe in that. I believe that all of the teenagers need to believe that and we need to come together using letter writing and speaking and all other kinds of modalities to help make the world a better place. Mm. And it, it really does go back. You know, we all have something to say. And, and I like how you said, you know, we, it's easy to talk ourselves out of it and, and convince ourselves. And, and um, like what you said, we hold on to that one negative thing. We can have a thousand negative, mm-hmm. um, you know, messages come our way. And that one that's semi-negative, that's the one that we will hold on to and allow to stop us in our tracks or define us. So it really is just, you know, when God puts something in your heart, pursue it and, and watch him open doors and really take the time for that personal touch of letter writing. I know you've really encouraged us even more in that to just take the time and, and to write that personal note just to encourage somebody or or share a story you know like mm-hmm. like patty said share a story that is significant to you with somebody and really give them a gift that's unexpected well thank you again wendy wolf we're going to take a great uh, a quick break and we'll be right back with our next guest and you're going to want to lean in we'll be right back
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, Lynn Gentry has written for numerous publications and is a professional acting coach, theater director, and playwright uh, playwright with several full-length musicals and a Chicago children's theater curriculum to her credit. Her love for writing stories was born while growing up on a Kansas dairy farm as she longed for adventure and dreamt of traveling to exotic places. She likes to write stories that launch modern women into ancient adventures. She is also an inspirational speaker and dramatic performer who loves spending time with her family and medical therapy dog. Return to Exile, Lynn Gentry's sweeping saga of lost dreams, epic struggles, all playing out against the stunning backdrop of a third century Rome. Lynn has created an inspiring story few will be able to put down until the final page. Welcome, Lynn. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Okay, I have so many things to say about just as we are um, introducing you. Uh, first of all, that you grew up um, at a dairy farm. Um, do you still live close by to your Kansas dairy farm? No, I don't. I live in Texas now. Um, I've been on the dairy farm in 30-some years. Oh, Thank wow. Thank goodness. <laughs> wow. I, I grew up pretty close to a lot of um, – I went to school with a lot of dairy farmers, so that's where I did a lot of my slumber parties and just so many fun stories um, out with the cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you have a few. Yeah, that, that is great. And I have to ask you about the medical therapy dog. Oh, yes, Roman. I rescued a dog about a, a year and a half ago, 
And um, he has a real sweet disposition. He's uh, part golden retriever, part great Pyrenees. He's a pretty good-sized dog. And I took him to a, a race at um, the Baylor Hospital, and the director of animal therapy was there and noticed his kind disposition. And she said, had you ever thought about uh, using Roman as a medical therapy dog? I wasn't even sure what that was. But mm-hmm. make a long story short, we went through a, an extensive training course. He got certified, and now we work in the hospital. He, he visits the oncology wards or um, transplant units and uh, just brings a lot of joy to people. They just pet him, and if he goes to occupational therapy, they put barrettes in his hair and comb his hair and things like that. <laughs> wow. that That is a great, great story. It's it's always just so interesting to me how they, they use animals in, in all kinds of, like, therapy treatments. That's That's amazing. Okay, so... Third century Rome. I have to tell you that uh, I'm actually, I I haven't um, read your book, but I'm excited to open it up because I love this whole era and I'm blown away when you get into the historical aspect of what took place in this era. And um, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to connect because now you're kind of going back and forth with time travel in this book, correct? Correct. Um, this story is a, it's a collision of two completely different sets of true facts. In 2008, I read an article about some tourists who disappeared while on an excursion to a cave in the southern quadrant of the Sahara. And the cave was called the Cave of the Swimmers, and I just thought that sounded so mysterious. And so I um, poked around and I found out that thousands of years ago, someone painted hundreds of little red figurines of people swimming on the walls of this cave that is in the middle of the desert. And I thought... Okay, I have to interrupt you. Isn't that on English Patient, too, where they are blown away, these archaeologists go into this cave, and they're blown away by that because they see it on the wall that there's all of these... They're swimming because they see the fish, the dolphins. Okay. It's crazy. And so uh, these tourists went to this cave, and they just disappeared. And I thought, well, what what if they weren't kidnapped? What if they fell through a hole in the cave floor or something like that. And I poked around and found out that beneath the Sahara is the largest underground uh, aquifer system in the world. And there's enough water buried beneath the sand to turn the entire desert green for years. And so I, I had that idea in my head, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just filed it away. Well, two years later, I was eavesdropping on a conversation about the Origins of organized healthcare. I know that sounds extremely boring, but um, <laughs> these two people, which were my children, were arguing about it. My daughter's a doctor, my son's a theologian, and they were arguing about it. And my son said, You know, that Christians were instrumental in establishing organized healthcare. And my daughter, the doctor, said, Yes, I know, Baptist Hospital, Catholic Hospital, Methodist Hospital. He said, No. It's a third-century plague called the Plague of Cyprian that happened in Carthage that nearly destroyed the Roman Empire. And ding! I I just thought, oh, my goodness. And I did a little more research, and Carthage is on the Mediterranean, a thousand miles north of of the cave. So I thought, hey, what if I drop a doctor down a hole in this cave, and she pops out in third century Rome uh, in Carthage in the middle of this plague so that's how the story came together okay your imagination that is <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I that is that is really I love how the dots are connecting. Like you said, and you kind of sat with it for a couple of years and then you hear a conversation and it triggers something again and it takes you back there. So once you're in this spot, then then what do you do? How do you start developing your characters and the and the plot and the storyline as it as it progresses? Well, you're right. I have this crazy imagination that's almost dangerous sometimes. It gets me in a lot of trouble. But, uh, you know, lucky for me, this story is loosely based in, in truth. Again, there was actually the hero in my story. His name is Cyprian Aspasius, and he actually was a third century a historical figure. And researching his life was just rich with so much information um, he left behind a lot of written work that scholars study to this day, and uh, that really helped me get off and running. I, I spent a lot of time researching Rome. A lot of my uh, musicals were based on first-century Christianity, not third-century Christianity, but a lot of the same customs, food, uh, housing, and things like that were similar, so it was easy to apply that to this research as well. Well, one of your main characters, you talk about um, he suffered a true crisis of faith. Um, why do you think, and just as you were creating the character, and that's such a, a great route to go, because so many people, we do um, fall as a victim to the fate of our expectations of the way the Christian life should go, and reality doesn't necessarily match up with that. Tell us a little bit more of how you were building on that? You know, I think that uh, choosing to follow Christ is is hard. Mm -hmm. And life has trained us that hard work is usually rewarded. So when it seems like life backs the truck up and dumps suffering, failure, and disappointment and heartache on us, that uh, anyone, uh, any substance of faith can become vulnerable to doubt and dissatisfaction and I think the thing that really surprised me about Cyprian, he later went on to be sainted. Uh, <laughs> what surprised me is this man who gave up everything. He was a wealthy Roman senator's son raised in the height of luxury. And in the end, he gave up everything, all of his wealth. He used all of his wealth. He opened his home, had the ill brought into his home which is how the hospitals were formed. And it cost him everything. But what was striking to me in his writing, he really questioned his faith. He, he wondered what happened to God because he too had been raised with do things right and you will be rewarded. You'll, you'll gain in wisdom, wealth, etc. And all of that was stripped from him. Hmm. Hmm. That that is just um, it's so true, and we can all relate to that. Where you feel like, okay, God, um, we start getting into that almost. You owe me, God. I'm I'm doing yeah. all this for you, and wh what it, what's in it for me? <laughs> Rather than yes. realizing this is earth, this isn't heaven. Um, yes, you know, we would love to bring a little bit of heaven down onto earth, but uh, there there are no promises that we're going to have this absolutely blessed over over the top life simply because you're a Christ follower. Well, and yes. you know, well, and you talk in your book 
I, I want to go to a, a, a thought because in Return to Exile, you um, in talking about the third century church and how you know they were oppressed and they dealt with a lot of things, but they didn't they didn't like fight back with weapons necessarily, and um, and and really take you know go attacking the people that were seriously doing them wrong and and controlling them with power. So basically, in in your opinion, what because we always hear you know of of turning the other cheek, um, nonviolence, and, you know, especially today in light of what's going on in, in the world with ISIS and everything. Um, can you, in your opinion, what is the difference between turning the other cheek and, and being a cowardice where you, you kind of run away? <laughs> it's a thin line. Um, to me, cowardice is based in fear. Uh, turning the other cheek is based in courage. And someone once said, courage is when you are afraid, but you do what you must anyway. And I think that that's the thing that was, this, writing this story really caused me to examine my own faith. It really put me in the middle of the arena and it, I could hear the 50,000 people stomping their feet and the dust swirling and I could hear the wildcats flying at the cages to get out, and the the governor would come to the podium and say, what, what say ye, Christian or no? And I, I, all my life, I, I always thought that I would say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But when push comes to shove, and it's really going to cost you everything, can you say that? And um, I, I don't... I think the courage that the third century church had is amazing because how they turned the tables here, which was so intriguing, is these people, these Christians, were the persecution was at an all time high in the third century. Mm-hmm. They were being persecuted by the wealthy. And what was so interesting to me is that they went and they got these sick people. It didn't matter if they were poor, wealthy, or whatever, and they took them in and cared for them. And this process of practicing Christianity Mm -hmm. actually changed the world because 50 years later, this uh, attitude swing allowed Constantine to come in and legalize Christianity, which in turn changed the world. And so to, to be brave like that, to take care of someone who's treating you so badly. You know, I don't know what I would do if I lived in the Middle East right now. Well, Lynn, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back to this great conversation. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the TokiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Spark your soul radio with Ann Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose, insights with heart. The WooHoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked and start tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world from your work to your relationships, lifestyle to legacy. Host Ann Phyllis is a spiritual analyst, fire starter, energy alchemist, and soul truth clairvoyant. Using the heart and purpose-based principles of her signature Soul Sense system, Anne offers weekly wisdom for tuning in, letting go, unlocking, and unblocking. If you've been walking through life with excess baggage, a heavy heart, a feeling of disconnection from your inner life, consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Every week on Spark Your Soul Radio, Anne takes you on a journey into the heart of your soul sense. There, she helps translate your energy, essence, and soul truth knowing into positive action and change. From this space of personal awakening and transformation, you're able to reignite your spirit, spark your soul, and live in alignment with your vision and values. Ready to spark your soul? Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player. Got a question for Anne? Want to be a guest on her show? Visit sparkyoursoul.me and listen to Anne every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are talking with Lynn Gentry, and we are having a fabulous conversation about her new book that um, returned to exile and its sweeping saga of lost dreams, epic struggles, all playing out against the stunning backdrop of third century Rome. Um, Lynn, you, we just were, um, we rudely cut you off for a commercial break. And uh, talking about, I, I love it when you said, what say ye? Because <laughs> I'm always blown away by, by that dialogue. And I'm also very intrigued at how formal. And I just have to ask you, when you were writing, and this has nothing to do how we ended on the, on the last uh, commercial, but um, how you were able to bring in that, that dialogue, where are you doing your research to get the conversation? Well, you know, interestingly enough, Cipriana Aspasius actually left behind reams and reams of written uh, work and his opinions on on faith, on church life, on um, equality in the church. Um, there were uh, they were having a problem with this thing called writs of libellus, where Christians could purchase a little uh, slips of paper that said they had actually uh, sacrificed in the Roman temples. That way, if they were asked if they were uh, Christians or if they were faithful Romans, they could produce that and say, see, I sacrificed. But yet they would say, oh, God, he knows I really, truly love him. And so there was a big controversy in the church whether those writs of libellus were the thing to do or not. Some thought, absolutely not. If you're a Christian, you say so. 
And others thought, no, we have to stay alive. So he, he wrote about that. And in, in the process, I could hear his voice. I, I got a, a sense of the cadence of his voice and, and the time period. Also, his good friend Pontius uh, wrote after the fact, after Cyprian was beheaded, he wrote about him. And that, too, had conversations that Pontius had had in it. So that that's, that's where I got it. Plus, you know, I watch Gladiator. Haven't you watched Gladiator? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's say well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump in because, uh, you know, right now TV shows and films, um, just talking about time travel, it's definitely – been a, a it's a rage right now and it, it, it always has been all the way back to I can think of when we were growing up it was back to the future and uh we loved watching yeah. all the shows which cracks me up now because uh I have a 13 year old so I, I brought those movies back out and I forget all the language <laughs> that's not so yes. that's in there and it's like wait <laughs> I don't remember it being this bad when I watched it yeah but yeah. um Time travel, obviously, is a huge element in, in your book. Uh, where would you how, – how are you bringing that in, and what does the Bible have to say about time travel? Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me about that. Do, do I think you can time travel? No. But do I think we understand how God works in time? Not completely. I think one reason time travel is so alluring to us right now is I don't think there's any of us that can say we don't have something that we regret, that we wish we could go back and have kind of a redo, you know? Mm. And that actually launched me into this uh, story. It started with some of my own regrets. I had had kind of a tragic thing happen in my life. It was a surprising thing. And I just kept thinking, oh, my goodness, what if I had done X, Y, Z, done something differently? Could have I avoided this pain, suffering, yada, yada? And so I think going back uh, is is appealing to us, all of us. Uh, that's what the blood of the cross does. It goes back and fixes all that. Mm. But, you know, in return to exile, Elizabeth is a Christian at this time. She's not in the first book, but she has been become a Christian, and she pulls out a Bible, and she does a little research about it, and she discovers that Second Peter mentions that to God a day was like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. That doesn't really compute to us, and the book of Luke had a story of Moses and Elijah transfigured from the past to stand before Jesus in the present. That, that's kind of hard to imagine, and then the Gospel of John says God is timeless, that he's been here since the beginning, and she deduced that God operates in a realm of great complexity when it comes to time. And I think that is most driven home to me with the concept of eternity. And a time without end is a difficult concept for us to grasp, especially when everything we know has an expiration date, like milk, men, and medicine. You know, everything we know has an expiration date. So um, I, I think the how do you reconcile what Jesus did at the cross 2,000 years ago? How does that come forward and cleanse me today? And it, it's a realm I don't understand about time. But do I think you can pop back and forth? No, not really. 
Well, I love how you, I love what you brought in to all of that. It was just, that's so good because God is timeless. And to even that even expands your, your mind as you think creatively. Well, um, when you're writing a series, as you're going, moving forward, does the story unfold as you write? Like, are you just laying in bed at night, planning the whole series from start to finish? (laughs) Or what are you doing that you, um, do you kind of come to an end and you're back then, into it? Yeah. Then, but then you move on to another book, you know, cause you, you ended your, your second book with such a cliffhanger. So what, what is your thought process when you're doing this? Oh, I wish I was a little bit more organized and had it all planned out. It would save me so much trouble, but <laughs> that's good I'm to hear. I'm just saying, Lynn, that's really good to hear. <laughs> uh, originally this story was one story. And an editor asked me to tear it apart and make it into three books. So in that regard, I kind of had an idea of where it was going. I knew the beginning and the end, let's put it that way. But uh, I'm I'm more of a pantser than a plotter, so I only had a vague idea. And I really like to be the character that's on stage at the moment. I like to get inside their head, and I like to be surprised. And a lot of surprising things happen to me. Uh, on this book, for example, I had uh, planned for a certain character to get left behind on her second journey into the into the third century. And lo and behold, that little character didn't just lift her nose and run and jump down the hole. And I literally was sitting at my computer screaming, no, <laughs> go back. <laughs> and she wouldn't. And, and then it took the story in a whole different direction and a whole a much better direction and a more inspired direction, I think. So, uh, no, I don't have the whole series planned out. Well, you're, you're, you have a vivid imagination. Just <laughs> no, to that's you, funny. I, it's, it's inspiring because you do, you think deeply, you think beyond. And many of us don't take the time to, to do that, mm-hmm. to sit down there and go, okay, what if, and asking those questions, which just, you know, though we may not be writing a, a series of books like you are, I think it's a, it's a challenge to go, what do I need to see beyond? What do I need to think a little more deeply and use my imagination? Cause we don't tap into that. Yeah. Um, I, right. Just as we, as we finish, cause this is a series, um, the Carthage and, and a series Carthage Chronicles and um, you're not done. So what are you, are you, what, What's coming? What can we expect? And just in the few minutes that we have left, how can our listeners um, get a hold of these books, find out more about you? And because you're delightful and just you're a great storyteller and just, um, you know, just your stories are intriguing, too. Well, thank you. And I I just want to thank what you do for women and how you get it out there about our stories. And I just really appreciate being here with you. You're delightful as well. Um, I, I love hearing from readers. I really do. And they can find me at my website, lynngentry.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook and I would love for them to connect with me. They can get my books wherever great books are sold. Uh, it is a series. It's a five book series. Actually, uh, the three main books are healer of Carthage, return to exile. And the last book is Valley of Decision. In between are little short prequels that are available only through digital. And uh, that's A Perfect Fit and Shades of Surrender. And those are little side stories about characters that people have grown to love. And it just gives you a little bit more backstory into it. 
So um, the, all the series is complete. I have finished writing that, turned in the last book in October, and uh, Valley of Decision releases uh, in September. Awesome. Well, again, we just want to thank you for joining our show. We just have a couple of minutes um, before we sign off. But what what do you want readers to take away with them after reading Return to Exile? First and foremost, I want them to say, wow, that was one wild ride. (laughs) And then I want them to consider how they're going to hang on to their faith during their wild ride, their own journey, when everything spins out of control, because it will spin out of control, and your faith will be tested. And I pray that, like Lisbeth and like all of those in the story of the Carthage Chronicles, they'll find their footing in Jesus Christ. Mm. That That is a great tip. And, you know, we started out this show by um, just saying, you know, what did you say and, and how we communicate things. And like Lisa said, just hearing how you um, are, are so creative and how you formulate your thoughts and you're able to put it down on paper. And this is this is just a random thing. And I, I just want to say I challenge uh, all of us. As we're going out there and we are praying and asking God to put people in our lives to have an impact on, uh, just to even think of, of your verbiage. I, I was laughing um, just the other day. I was looking back in uh, some of the letters that I had written just as, as journaling, and I remember my son at four saying, um, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And when I was going through the process with him, he had mentioned, is it going to be squishy? Um, there's not enough room in there with his heart. <laughs> I thought, you know, we do that. We have this Christian lingo and um, we just need to be aware of what we're saying to unbelievers when we're, when we're talking and sharing Christ. And with that, um, I'm getting a countdown to the tune. So I just want to say thank you so much, Lynn. You are oh, fabulous. And we just enjoy it so much. And we God will talk to you next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 